Welcome to the Doggy Dan Podcast Show, helping you unleash the greatness within your dog. Hello and welcome everybody, I'm Doggy Dan. Thanks ever so much for tuning into this podcast show number three, which is all about fighting between dogs who live in the same house. Now before we kick off, a little reminder, the show notes for what I'm talking about here can be found at www.doggydan.com forward slash show three, or you can go to doggydan.com and do a search. So, What's coming up in this show? Well, first of all, we're going to have a look at fighting between dogs in the same home and how it differs from dog fighting in general, where dogs are at the park and they have a little bit of a tussle, because it's so radically different and it sort of requires a totally different understanding as to what's going on. Then I'm going to have a look at sort of a why does it actually occur? Why does, you know, dogs who have been living together very often for many years very happily and suddenly it comes out of absolute nowhere and the fight is on and, uh, yeah, why is it that that happens and what's going on? Because we need to understand it really before we can sort of put together a solution. And the more you understand it, the more you understand why the solution works and uh, why all the things uh, that I sort of am going to go through are so important. Now, before we get into it, I would like to point out that I'm so passionate about this topic because as a dog trainer, I sort of have come to learn what areas dog trainers really struggle with. Most dog trainers, I can tell you, really struggle with dogs who are fighting inside the house. Because if you don't understand the dog psychology component of this problem, no amount of dog training is going to fix it. And that's where I've found this is almost one of my passions because there's so many people who've got two dogs who are fighting in the same house. It's actually incredibly common. And I can tell you now straight up, this method works with big dogs, with small dogs. You put it in place and it's like magic. Hey, things calm down, things settle. If you follow the steps in this podcast and just go through, go through the website that I talk about, follow the five golden rules to becoming the pack leader, I can almost tell you, you're going to be sending me an email saying, hey, Doggy Dan, thanks ever so much. You're right, it works. And that's why hopefully you can hear the passion and the excitement in my voice about putting this together because it's been a been something I've wanted to do for a long time, share the knowledge that I've got and help you understand how to put an end to this problem. So to start with, let's just point out what this infighting at home really is, because I'm not talking about sort of the typical little nips and uh, the scuffles that happen at home. I mean, dogs at the park and at home, there's little nips when they're playing, they get a little bit excited and uh, an accident could happen. And, and you know, just like children who play at a high intensity and need to be calmed down sometimes. That often happens between dogs as well. That's totally normal. But the infighting between dogs who live together at home, what we're talking about is the really serious stuff where suddenly out of the blue, on a scale of 1 to 10, they've been playing at level 6, 7, many, many times, maybe 8 even, and then suddenly it goes through the roof to a level 10. The noise intensity, there's often fur flying it's quite horrendous if it happens you know what's it's happening your alarm bells go off often the dogs will make noises you've never heard before because they're actually fighting at this point and um, it can end up in very serious injury trips to the vet it can be quite expensive quite horrific 
And um, I don't like to say it, but this is where the sort of almost the fight to the death can come in. It's not a little telling off. It's not a correction. The two dogs will very often stand up against each other and battle it out. And uh, I mean, it can be terrible whichever way it is. If the dogs are equally matched, it's it's not good. If uh, one dog is far stronger or bigger than the other dog, it's it's not good. Um, and what can happen is one of the dogs sort of gives up, becomes submissive. The other dog says, I'm dominant, and it's all over. And when I say it's all over, what I mean is the two dogs sort of uh, uh, accept that that's the new setup. One's dominant, one's submissive, and they sort of get along with that. They're quite happy, and you don't have any more fights or many more fights. Um, you haven't dealt with the cause of the problem, but you're certainly getting away with it in terms of uh, comparison to people where the dogs don't make that agreement and the one who's dominant doesn't give in and keeps challenging, or both dogs keep challenging and keep fighting. However, sometimes, and I'll explain why this happen, happens, even if one dog says, I'm submissive, okay, you win, the other dog doesn't give in and doesn't stop. Or they could stop for a period of time, and then again, out of absolutely nowhere, it sort of seems to spark up again. And I'll touch on why does it spark up, and is that what you have to look at? You know, it could be, there's so many different what I call triggers, and we'll have a look at uh, what those triggers are, uh, in a moment. But one of the things about this infighting is it often occurs between dogs who have lived so happily together for many, many years. It could even be that, you know, one of them was sort of, uh, one of the dogs was maybe a five-year-old dog, and the other dog was just a little puppy when, when he turned up. And now the older dog is sort of nine or ten, and the younger dog is four or five, and suddenly he's turned on effectively his, his best mate or her best mate, and it just seems so out of character. And that is very, very common, that for a long period of time, for a long period of time, I should say, the dogs have gotten on really, really well, and that is the very confusing thing for a lot of owners. Why would that, why, what's, what's changed? Why would a dog, you know, suddenly turn on another dog for apparently absolutely no reason? Now, a lot of people try to work it out in their own minds, and uh, I just want to touch on a, f a few things uh, as to what is not causing the problem. Because a lot of people try and work it out, and they start to come to go down the route of breed. Is it to do with the breed of the dog? Because they may find another, maybe boxer dog, or a spaniel, or a fox terrier, or a you know German shepherd who does a similar thing and has turned on a dog that they've lived with. I can categorically tell you having worked with thousands and thousands of dogs it's got virtually nothing to do with the breed of the dog i've worked with papillons west highland terriers irish wolfhounds dobermans who live together with another dog and suddenly it's all on something else though that it has got something to do with is the sex of the dog it seems that it's far more likely that two male dogs will become aggressive or two female dogs than dogs of a, of mixed sex so if a dog um, a male and a female live together, I think there's far, I've found there's far less chance of those dogs suddenly turning on each other. And again, I'll explain why that is, which is sort of why, I, in my opinion, if you're going to get two dogs, get a boy and a girl. Um, I mean, I've got two. I've had two girl dogs, and I've got a third dog who's a boy now. If you really know what you're doing and you put all this in place, you won't have a problem. So that's the good news. If you've got two boy dogs, don't worry about it. But it is more likely to occur if you do have two dogs of the same sex. The other really interesting thing about this issue, which makes, which is where it's so different from your typical dog aggression, is that it's got sort of nothing to do with 
or not a lot to do with fear. You know, a lot of dog aggression at the park is based on fear. Um, one dog may be a little bit scared of another dog, so they kind of get a little bit nervous and snap, or another dog may be thinking they'll get the first bite in or just go over and puff their chest out and try and show off a bit. So that causes a bit of a ruckus with the other dogs at the park, and it all kicks off. Or they may just be a little bit fearful of all the dogs and think they've got to attack and lunge and be aggressive. There's often fear involved with dog aggression. But dogs who are fighting who live in the same house that's not really based in fear because as you well know you could have a big fight and then in the afternoon the two dogs are lying down together watching the telly with you in front of the fire and you think well they're not scared of each other at all and that's right it's got virtually nothing to do with fear and that's where in some respects it's it's one of the reasons i think why it's not a case of dog training that dog training will not stop this issue no amount of dog training will work it can help but what you really need to do is understand the dog psychology side of it. And that is where it's all to do with sort of the pack hierarchy and understanding that that is where it's all coming from. And that's something I want to talk about now, which is topic two almost. Why? Why are the dogs suddenly kicking off? And yeah, why does it happen right out of the blue? I mean, first of all, we've touched on triggers already. You know, you can have a trigger which seems to spark the dogs off or it increases the chances of your dog being aggressive. Those triggers could be food. It could be around toys that your dog suddenly start fighting. It could be over a ball or a stick. It could be something like the bed that they want a possession. They want to be lying in a certain place. It could be when they get overexcited when you get ready for a walk or when somebody turns up or another dark dog barks on the other side of the fence and they get excited. Or it could be when a dog... Uh, one of the dogs goes too close to the other dog, or one of the dogs, they both come too close to you. It can often be when a person sort of enters the home. You know, they could be fine on their own, but when you walk in the room, it all triggers off. So all those things are what I call triggers. They are sort of almost like, not the cause of the problem, but they're the trigger. They're the thing which flicks the dog, and just dealing with the trigger is not going to solve the problem. I almost guarantee the dogs will find another trigger, or they'll be so they'll be on such tender hooks the whole time that anything can actually flick them out and one of the big uh, mistakes i think in dog training or the dog behaviorists make is that they focus too much on the trigger and not enough on the cause of the problem because really to understand this problem you have to think like a dog as always it's no good thinking like a human and applying human psychology to a dog problem you have to think like a dog and the best way to do that is look at the wolf pack uh, the dog's Dogs are 99.8% the DNA of a wolf. If you look at the wolf pack, you can get some really good understanding of what's going on, why they're behaving like they're behaving. So first thing about a wolf pack, there's leaders and there's followers. And it's coming back to that real basics that an understanding what the leaders do, what their job is, what their function is, that you start to understand what your dogs are doing. Now, in the wild, there's a male and a female, and the pack leaders the male and the female, they make all the big decisions. They decide where they stay, what den they're going to be in, when it's time to move den, when to go for a hunt. They also decide sort of what the rules are. They do sort of the, the dogs at the top of the pack, not always the absolute pack leaders, but the dogs at the top of the pack do the disciplining, not the dogs at the bottom. The dogs at the top of the pack will decide which wolves are effectively allowed to stay in the pack. And that's sort of how it works. It's a bit like, at the end of the day, a family, you know, my wife and I, we're in charge. Our two children, they, we try and encourage them to make as many of the smaller decisions as, as they can. You know, as they're growing up, we want them to make more and more decisions. But ultimately, my wife and I decide all the big decisions. And 
The importance of that shouldn't be overlooked because at the end of the day, that's what's happening with your dogs and that's why they're fighting. That they're, First of all, most dogs are fighting because they're going for that alpha male or that alpha female position. And you may think, well, we've got a male and a female, so how can they be going for, for the, you know, they can't be both going for an alpha male spot if we've got a male and a female. Look, the male and female thing is important. They understand the difference between the two sexes. But very often, dogs will just fight to get to the top. And if you, the point is, if you as a human don't, don't fill that position, your dog will totally go for it. Now, if you've got two males and uh, two male dogs and you're a female living on your own, then absolutely think about it. There is no alpha male except for your dogs. And this is where the more you can show both those male dogs that you are the alpha female, you're in charge, and that neither of those are going to be in charge, neither of the dogs, then they calm down and they really relax knowing that they're not fighting for the top position. It's a bit like in sport. People will absolutely go 120% for, to win. But if you're not the winner, it's not such a big deal. And when you understand this concept that, you know, whether the dogs come third or fourth or seventh or eighth, doesn't matter. If first place is taken, they totally relax, chill out, and they won't fight like they will for that top spot. You see, in the wild, the dog who's the pack leader, the one who makes the decisions, also gets breeding rights and also gets the feeding rights. They eat first, they control the food. So in the wild, there are real perks to the job of uh, being pack leader. It's a bit like being, at the end of the day, the CEO of a company. It's no different. The pack leaders make all the big decisions. The CEO gets the perks, but they're also under the most pressure, and they also you know, have to perform and do the sort of uh, disciplining and the deciding who's allowed to stay in the company. Who's, you know, It's the same as the dogs. And that is a very subtle thing, that once the dogs decide that they are in charge, they will then also decide who's allowed in the pack. And if they don't want somebody in the pack, if they don't want another dog, it may be that dog's too old, it may be that dog's a threat, it may be that dog's a, a, a young pup coming in, but they don't want it. At the end of the day, if your dog thinks that they're in charge, then they will decide, I don't want that other dog around here, I don't want that pup around here, that dog's a threat, I don't like them, it's an extra mouth to feed, he's too old, she's too old. And it's best not to go into, well, why is my dog thinking along those lines? That's how your dog will be thinking. You, I mean, I can't read dogs' minds. And the chances are neither can you. But I can almost promise you that this is where the cause of the problem is coming from. I once worked with a lovely lady. She had a huge Leonberger dog, um, very uh, dominant alpha female dog, probably about eight or nine years old. And the lady decided to get two young pups, two little Leonbergers, and a little 10-week-old male, 10-week-old female. And she got me around because she said the, the big Leonberger, who was weighing sort of 70 kilos, was attacking the pups. And I thought, well, that sounds a bit off. Doesn't sound normal. Again, because the big Leonberger could see that these little pups were no threat. And yet, the lady was dead right. When we brought the pups out, first of all, the male, she absolutely was pushing them around, growling, very unhappy that this little male puppy had turned up on her property. She clearly didn't want him there. She tolerated him, and with a little bit of time, I made the decision. I said, I think you're going to be fine with this boy. She sort of realized he's a male she's happy she's sort of saying okay he can stay we sort of got her to change her mind and she took him under his wing but with the female pup no way absolutely no way would this leon burger accept and she was gonna i would say she was gonna kill this pup she really was in my professional opinion and i've seen hundreds of dogs with oh, dogs with pups i've seen thousands of dogs 
it was not a pretty sight. Um, we almost had to keep her away and couldn't let her near because it was almost one snap, one bite, and the puppy would be dead. So I made the decision. I said, in my professional opinion, this dog who is, says I'm in charge, I'm the alpha female here, does not want another female pup who at the end of the day is only going to come through the ranks and challenge her. And so I suggested that it was best to find her another home and just have this uh, young male pup whom she sort of said, yep, you can come through the ranks. At the end of the day, the alpha male, in her opinion, was probably not a threat, but the little alpha female pup absolutely was. Now, when I say she was a threat, what I mean is, ultimately, that alpha female knew that the little female pup would one day grow up and possibly try and push her out of her alpha female position. The little male, on the other hand, he was never going to become the alpha female, so in her opinion, I believe that's why she decided I'm happy for him to stay, but not that little female pup. We don't need her. I don't need that uh, extra thing to worry about and be concerned about. And sure, we could have possibly worked with uh, the bigger dog, the nine-year-old dog, and got her to kind of turn her, change her opinion. But sometimes you have to make a decision. Is it really worth all the time, all the effort, all the risk, all the danger to the pup? Um, what are you trying to achieve and in my opinion, actually, it was going to be way, way too much work. She didn't want that, that to run that risk, and I, and I respected her decision. It wasn't a problem rehoming the, the puppy somewhere because the pup was only 10 weeks old, and there's a lot of people who would love to have um, a 10-week-old pup. The interesting thing about that situation, though, was you had a 70-kilo dog meeting a, whatever, 3-kilo pup. There was no threat to that dog. But she, as the alpha female, was saying, I'm in charge because the owner hadn't established herself as the pack leader, as you know, I then showed her how to be the pack leader using my five golden rules, which are all inside my video website. She put all of that in place, and uh, and that would have been a different story if she'd put that in place a couple of months or even a year, you know, or, or whatever, six months earlier. That's a long time to turn around a dog's opinion, and it may well have been that this dog would then have accepted these two pups onto the property. But it wasn't a case of fear that was driving the big dog to attack it was she says i'm in charge i make the decisions and i do not want that pup here and i see that time and time again that that is actually the real cause of the problem um, in people's houses you know you could have a little chihuahua and a little tibetan spaniel and the two of them are going for each other the real cause of the problem is that they both are trying to run the show they're both trying to become the pack leader and all the other things such as the toy the food the bed that they fight over this and that and the, they snap at each other when certain things happen that is all sort of what i call the straw that broke the camel's back and it's just the little thing which is causing not the real cause of the problem but that's just flicking them into a, a little snap and a fight but it's actually a case of become the pack leader and then, you know, they won't have all these arguments about toys and food and you'll be able to get away with uh, a lot more things. I always say that dogs become a lot more tolerant. Tolerance is a really important word. It doesn't mean that your dog could never. It's not that it's impossible for them to have another little bit of a tussle. But their tolerance, you know, increases and they generally relax a whole lot more. One of the most fascinating or the funniest reintroductions or, uh, yeah, introductions back together for two dogs was two British bulldogs that uh, I've actually got some video clips somewhere of them, I think inside the site, um, and a lovely testimonial where two British bulldogs, two males, both 18 months old, I think they were fighting, fighting the whole time. And they'd got to the stage where they had to have them in completely separate rooms, couldn't be in the same area of the house at all because they were just going for each other. Um, and again, with these bigger breeds, it's it's not that they're more aggressive, but they just are bigger and the bites are more serious. 
And uh, so they had to be completely separated. And I came around and worked with the couple and explained to them, look, this is what you've got to do. And uh, they were just both trying to dominate each other. So I showed them how they had to become the pack leaders. And I said to them, put all this in place for a couple of days, maybe a week. And then slowly I showed them how to reintroduce them to each other. And I'll go through this in the, the third part of this uh, podcast. Well, lo and behold, they rang me after two days to say we'd been to work and they'd put one in the back garden and one in a sort of a field adjacent to their site where there was plenty of room for them to run. And they said, look, the two boys have actually smashed the fence down. They've broken a hole in it and they've reunited when we were at work. And they're playing, rolling around like they're best mates again. And I said to them, great, great. That's brilliant. They've reintroduced themselves. Stick to your guns. Stick to the rules. Don't break any of the golden rules that I've shown you, which are all inside the site. And that's where you just keep reaffirming to the dogs, you're the pack leaders and not the dogs. And dogs take a bit of a chill pill, relax. And hey, it's almost like nothing happens. They just come together, relax, and that's how it is. So part three, the solution. Well, what is the solution for dogs who are fighting in the same home? It's important that I sort of effectively break this up into sort of two sections. One is almost just pointing out that we can talk about the solution in terms of the cause of the problem. What is the real cause? We've touched on that. But the other part of the solution is when you've had dogs who are fighting, how do you sort of control them and bring them back together so that they don't fight? It may be that there's just the occasional snapping or fighting, and at the minute they're actually in the same room together all fine, and you're just holding your breath, wondering when it's going to kick off again. Or you could, as I mentioned before, be at the far more extreme um, situation where you've got two dogs in other uh, opposite ends of the house, and you actually can't bring them close together. So... Without further ado, look, the real cause of the problem, as I mentioned, is being the pack leader. It always is. It's always about dogs understanding who's in charge. And, uh, and that's what I show you inside my video website, the onlinedogtrainer.com video website. People say to me that, you know, they've watched hundreds of videos on YouTube. They've followed all these great dog trainers around the world. But I'm only being honest. They say, <laughs> I get lovely emails from people. They pretty much say, you're the first person who's actually shown us very clearly the rules of how to be the pack leader. We've put them in place, and I get emails almost every day now saying, thank you for showing us exactly what to do. We were doing it all wrong. We thought we were the pack leaders because we were getting our dogs to maybe do a sit before we fed them. Um, and we thought that was, you know, there's a couple of other things. You know, my dog comes when I call maybe, so people think that they're the pack leader, but actually the really important stuff they weren't doing. And it's that really important, subtle stuff, which when you do it, your dog says, got it, I'm not in charge. And they stop fighting to become the alpha male, the alpha female, they stop challenging. And that's the real magic of this method, that you put it in place and hey, presto, not a lot happens. Well, I say not a lot happens, as is no more fights occur. So if you actually have two dogs who are lying in the, on the carpet at the minute and you only have the occasional scrap of, uh, you know, maybe once a week or something and you kind of can handle it because you've got smaller dogs or you've got bigger dogs and, you know, they have a scrap but then they settle down again. The solution for you is pretty much just put the rules in place, five golden rules, and you'll just have no more fights. And if you do, there's obviously tools and techniques, which I'll go through now, as to what to do. But basically, if you've got dogs in the same room, that's it. You just deal with the cause of the problem and all these fights will sort of just simmer out and won't occur. If, on the other hand, you're in the state where you've got dogs who are sort of, you're having to keep them on leads apart inside the house because it's all got too much. 
First of all, deal with the cause of the problem. Put the five golden rules in place. Then when you're trying to reintroduce them, probably the most important thing to remember is that you actually have to monitor their energy. In other words, if you've got two dogs who are at level 7 or level 8 out of 10, excited, frothing at the mouth, pulling on the lead, lunging, that they're not the sort of dogs you want to bring together. Now, it's just realizing that there is a way of bringing them down. Now, you've got to sort of find out how to do it. I mean, I'll help you as much as I can. But you, if you bring two dogs together who are at level 8, you are almost going to, uh, you know, if they've already had a bit of a scrap, then that's where the fights will happen. In real simple terms, if you, if you grade your dog out of 10 and you get a uh, maybe a 7 and you grade your other dog out of 10, their excitement level, and you get a, another eight, an 8, 7 plus 8 is 15. And what I'd suggest is that if you get anything over, say, 14, the chances are that there's something's going to happen. It's going to be a snap or a growl or a fight. So what you're looking for is the sum of the two dogs to be below 14. The calmer you can make your dogs, the less chance of a fight. It's, why, it's one of the reasons why one of my big dogs, Peanut, her energy when she works with other dogs is about a one or a two. She's so good at staying super calm, even around these dogs who are at level nine or ten, jumping around, barking at her. She walks past, super calm, and she's able to calm them. And even when they come running up to her going, she's able to calm them down. And that's where, with your two dogs, when you're trying to bring them back together, you've got to calm them down. And there's a lot of things you can do to help calm them. One is possibly take them for a good walk, um, take the top off their energy, exercise them as much as you can, maybe bring them back for a feed, feed them separately, keep them apart. Then what you're doing when you're trying to reunite them is consider reuniting them outside of the house. I mean, all these things when you get down to this uh, level, is a case of sort of trial and error. You've got to test something, see if it works, see if there's a better place to do it, and, uh, and work from there. Because every dog will be different. Some dogs will meet better at a park, some dogs will meet better in the back garden, some inside the home. And you're just constantly monitoring your dog's energy, and very often you'll find if your dog just, if you just hang around and wait with your dog on a lead, and maybe sit down in the front living room or outside with a glass of wine or a beer, relax, watch the telly, read a book, do whatever, and just get your dog to settle down. I've got some quite cool videos or beautiful videos inside the video website where I've got a dog on a lead who is oh, just unpredictable is the best way to put it. And I take all my three dogs one at a time out and they meet this dog. And the first few seconds, you know, you can see the dog going absolutely lunging at my dog. And, uh, and we just talk, and I just talk about a couple of techniques, such as the calm freeze, where you crouch down and hold the dog under the collar, calm them down, a very, very beautiful technique, which again, you, you won't find anywhere on the internet. For some reason, it's just not a very well-known technique, but again, it calms the dog down. We chat for two, three minutes, five minutes, and suddenly the lady goes, he's calm now, and I say, yep, and that's where we then stand up, and we then introduce the dogs. And the difference between introducing straight away where that dog was lunging and pulling and chatting for two minutes, calming down, calming the energy of this excited uh, little box across down, and then introducing is chalk and cheese. And when you do it that way, there's no scuffle. So a lot of the, um, the skills involved in introducing dogs back together in the same, who live together in the same home, it's actually the same if they're at the park, but it's, it's about actually understanding how to calm the energy down. And in and around your home, there's certain tools and techniques. In, again, inside the website, there's a whole section on this. Tools and techniques. You've got timeout to use. If your dog is too excited, put them in timeout. 
It's about using a, a, a lead, keeping them on a lead and slowly bringing them back together and just monitoring their behavior. And in a nutshell, that is the technique that I use to bring dogs together. I've done it thousands of times now and um, that's how it works. But it only works if you've put in place those five golden rules first because otherwise you're just treating the symptoms. You're not treating the cause of the problem. So that sort of hopefully gives you a really good understanding of why dogs fight in the same house, that the triggers are just triggers. They're not the underlying cause of the problem. And if you really want to stop it long term, you've got to go to the cause of the problem and become that pack leader. I was thinking uh, about this podcast and suddenly it struck me. There's a book called Lord of the Flies, which I'm not a great reader, but if you know Lord of the Flies, I think, I'm not sure how the boys get there, but it's about a bunch of boys, probably 10-year-old boys, who end up on an island with no adults around. And it talks about how for a little while these boys all get on well. And then slowly, you know, they start to form groups and uh, boys challenge other boys, and some of the boys become the leaders, and then those leaders decide, right, we don't want him in the group, we don't want that one in the group. They start picking on certain boys, and uh, it all turns a little bit nasty. The reason it goes wrong is because at the end of the day, those young boys are not old enough, really, to be the pack leaders. They're not grown up enough. If there was grown-ups there, the fighting would, wouldn't happen, because the grown-ups would say, hey, we all live together, stop picking on him, He's allowed to stay in the pack. Effectively, the young boys were starting to bully and saying, we don't want you in the pack. You get out of here. He was, one of the um, young boys has made an outcast. It all goes pear-shaped. But with adults there who say, we're in charge, we make the decisions, stop picking on him, stop bullying. It's, it's the same throughout the world or throughout nature. You look at school, um, that's what the teachers are doing. They're saying, we're in charge, stop the bullying. That's not allowed. And that's where it's a very similar thing that happens in the house with your dogs you have to first of all be the pack leader for your dogs to take any notice of you then you can start making the rules which is i want you to all to to get on well and uh, behave and you can start showing them what the rules and the boundaries are and what things are not acceptable now i'm sure some of you are listening to this thinking hmm this is sounds familiar and this is the sort of issues we're having with our children as well as the dogs and uh, yeah absolutely there's so many similarities there and this is why I've written the book, What the Dogs Taught Me About Being a Parent, which you can find on Amazon. Well, that just about wraps it up. Remember, the notes for this show can be found at www.doggydan.com forward slash show three. It's been an absolute pleasure being with you. And I'm really looking forward to some of the shows that are coming up in the near future where we'll be looking at all sorts of dog and puppy issues. Um, I mean, there'll be dog aggression stuff, dogs that are aggressive around, you know, in the car or barking in the car. We'll look at stuff uh, such as the puppy mouthing and biting, dog aggression to people, dogs that want to chase, all this sort of stuff I'm already planning out. Um, and some specific stuff, you know, dogs who are always wanting to run away from home when you leave it, you know, effectively separation anxiety, some of those really common problems. So there's lots of great stuff to look forward to. And uh, if you want to know when these podcasts are coming out, then you can, if you're kind enough to subscribe to the channel, we'll be able to alert you. And also then you'll be able to actually rate the site, which will help more people find it. So please consider doing that. And uh, you'll be alerted of all the upcoming shows. Now, if you are desperate for sort of all the help right now, if you want to understand how to be the pack leader and there's audio files and videos inside my video website, then go to theonlinedogtrainer.com. So www.theonlinedogtrainer.com. And uh, there you'll find out everything you need to know. All my videos are in there on stopping unwanted dog behavior such as this, um, becoming the pack leader, and also things like raising a puppy. 
You'll find what you're looking for inside there. Have a great day. I'm Doggy Dan. Thank you ever so much for listening and love your dog. You've been listening to another episode of the Doggy Dan Podcast Show, bringing you one step closer to creating harmony with your dog.